Hey guys, we're really excited to share our chat with the CEO and founder of Roofstock. Laura and I purchased two properties from their marketplace and we couldn't have had a better experience. If you do decide to sign up, you can get your first property fee-free if you sign up through listenmoneymatters.com slash roofstock. Even if you are not ready to buy a rental property, lock in your discount now. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash R-O-O-F-S-T-O-C-K. Hey, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to Listen Money Matters. Home is where the heart is. Bumps. The heart is located inside the pericardium. <laughs> my name is Thomas, <laughs> and I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew. Andrew, how are you, and what are you drinking today? Dude, I am especially good because I have a golden monkey from Victory. It's uh, north of 9%. Um, it's my beer of choice from the beer garden by us. Okay. It's especially good beer for you, then? Mm, yeah. I just have bubbly water, once again. LaCroix? Is my butter. Yeah, my lacrosse. I was listening to another podcast where they also always drink lacrosse, and apparently one of the people listening didn't think it existed. So they're just like a made up uh... product. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's real. <laughs> anyway, guys, uh, today we're doing another real estate focused episode and really excited because we have Gary Beasley, who is the CEO of Roofstock.com, and they are. A, uh, a marketplace for buying or investing in single-family homes. And Andrew, I know you've actually have some experience with Roofstock. So I'm excited to dig, uh, to dig in, and I'm sure you've probably got more questions than I do since you've been in the trenches, so to speak. Yeah, so I, I have one that I've closed. I have another that I'm partially, partial of the way through, and I'm uh, obsessed, I guess, if you'd ask my wife. And so um, I selfishly wanted Gary to come on to answer all my questions. <laughs> Cool. Well, Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be here, guys. Yeah. So uh, I gave me a little bit of a introductory description of what Roofstock is, but I mean, you're the CEO, so I would love to get a, just a bigger overview of what you guys do and also how you got started. Sure. So we're, we're a marketplace, uh, an, an internet marketplace for single-family rental home investing. So the, the idea is to bring buyers and sellers together in a really efficient way to uh, allow investors to buy homes that are already cash flowing, they're leased. So to date, um, there, well, there's about two trillion of, of assets in single family rental homes, it's about 15 million rental homes. And there's really not an effective way besides Roofstock to, to buy and sell them with tenants in place. And we're, so we're the, kind of the first marketplace to do that. Uh, we, we have very low cost for our sellers and buyers, so it really it's, we try to squeeze out a lot of the inefficiencies um, and the friction in the, in the transaction. And we bring many years of investing expertise in this asset class to bear from having built um, platforms in this space ourselves. I, I most recently was running a public, uh, public REIT uh, called Starwood Waypoint. Um, and it was a, one of the larger single-family rental um, real estate investment trusts. So it had been involved in the, in the space for many years as a principal. And we owned and operated about 15,000 rental homes. I left about a year ago with my co-founder, Gregor Watson, who was running a similar platform with, a, with the idea of really making it very efficient for groups like my, my old company and, and, and retail investors to be able to sell these homes efficiently and also buy them already cash flowing as opposed to having to buy them through traditional channels. Okay. And you had, I'm guessing you had individual investors using the REIT, right? It wasn't like bigger groups at the time. 
Uh, when you say individual investors using the REIT, can you clarify what you mean? Like just people like me and Andrew, uh, yeah. at the old one, right? Yeah. So the, at the old company, um, it, we were uh, we were an institutional owner. So we we had public capital and we were buying homes and we were leasing them out to, to tenants. And so the way to invest in that, you had to buy shares in our in our company. Mm-hmm. You you couldn't buy the assets directly, and and I think for a lot of people, as they think about um, how to invest in housing, um, you could either buy a home, um, like, like say Andrew did recently through our site, and then own it directly for the cash flow and the appreciation. Or you could buy a share of a real estate investment trust, like, like my old company, um, which is a fine kind of thing to consider as well. It's just it's a different type of investment. You're, you're really investing in a stock yeah. there, as opposed to having direct real estate um, ownership. The thing I like, I think you should own REITs too as, as part of a, a stock portfolio, but I think the thing that's really intriguing about what we're doing is you could pick your markets, you can you know, pick how much debt you want to use, um, you, could, you could be really strategic about building your own portfolio and, and growing it over time and then you, you can control when you'd like to sell it, but it's a great way to just incrementally build, build wealth over time. So, Gary, there are um, companies uh, that, that they call themselves, I guess, turnkey rental companies like Memphis Invest. Uh, and, you know, they bill themselves as you show up and we just give you a house that's cash flowing. You know, we've renovated it and, and all that good stuff. How do you guys differentiate from that? Yeah, I say, I'd say that there are definitely similarities in that you're buying a home that's already cash flowing. I think that the difference is those those companies tend to be very specialized in certain you know in a, say a market they're a local expert in a, in a market and if you work through them you have to buy homes in that market o- over time we're adding new markets every month and so you'll, you'll be able to build really a national portfolio um, through through Roofstock um, and we have multiple uh, multiple sellers we're working with. So when you're working with a turnkey operator, you're buying everything from the same party, mm-hmm. um, and that's not necessarily good or bad. But it's it's whatever inventory they specialize in and have. It tend it tends to be pretty specialized with each strategy. You know each of those operators. Where the beauty of a marketplace is, we could have multiple types of sellers and multiple types of buyers. So you could come out onto our site and find. High yielding homes. You could find homes that are lower yielding, but may be in really nice neighborhoods that have really um, nice appreciation prospects. You could, have, you know, there, so it's there's in a marketplace. Oftentimes, there's something for everyone, and it allows you to sort of see, you know, build a balanced portfolio and maybe buy buy some homes of different types. Since you're a marketplace, would you say that your company could actually encapsulate other companies that do this kind of turnkey? Uh, real estate investing, or are they two separate kind of things? Yeah, absolutely. So, in fact, we've we've worked with a couple already, um, a couple of turnkey companies who who have either bought homes off of our site, or um, and we've even talked with some of them about helping sell some of their their product through our site. Because um, over time, we we anticipate we're going to get more and more users, and because we'll, we'll develop a national following, it could be good for some of these more local groups to get exposure to new investors through us. And so we, we're happy to think about partnerships like that. But, but certainly what we've found is some of, some of the homes that we've sold have been purchased by um, 
some of the turnkey players who would want to buy it and then maybe do a significant upgrade and reposition the house to a kind of a higher rent. Yeah. One of the biggest questions I had when I found out about you guys um, was why are people selling me these properties? Because you guys provide a full analysis, which we'll get into. There's a tenant in there. Uh, the numbers look pretty good. You've already negotiated the price down like for me. Like, Why is this company selling to me? It seems crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, most of our sellers right now, well, there, there are a few reasons that, that the, the company, the, the sellers are selling homes right now. Um, we're starting with inventory primarily from some of the largest uh, REITs and private funds who have bought tens of thousands of these homes, renovated them to a high standard, leased them up, and have now owned them for oftentimes three or four years and maybe looking to just get some liquidity. And it's it's a really efficient way for them to, to do that, selling through Roofstock, um, because they don't have to vacate the home and pay a traditional broker fee and, and all that kind of stuff. So any large fund or REIT oftentimes will sell, periodically sell a certain amount of their homes just to sort of get liquidity and maybe maybe either remit that capital back to investors or buy homes in a different market to sort of rebalance their portfolio. Also what's happened is there have been a number of large portfolio acquisitions amongst the biggest players and mergers. And when that happens, oftentimes you have uh, an overweighting of homes in a certain market because two companies have merged and say, well, we have a thousand more homes than we'd like to have in Atlanta. Let's sell those and let's buy homes in a market where we, we might want more exposure. And then you also have some of these groups that, that want to reposition portfolios. Um, for example, we have one, one group that wants to um, really move up up market in their average rents, and so they'd like to sell some of the the, the less expensive properties that have lower rents, which is great because we have a lot of investors who like those less expensive properties and the yield associated with them. So it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with the property. It just means that the investor's um, strategy has either changed a little bit, there's you know been a change of circumstances, or they're just looking for some liquidity. So when Thomas or I have to sell our REIT because whatever, or we want to buy a home on Roofstock or something. Yeah. Um, we're, we're essentially, through Roofstock, getting the spillover of professional institutional investors uh, so that they're able to give us our money back when we sell our REIT. That's right. I mean, that, that, is, that is part of it. They're always raising capital as well. So I'd say, you know, mostly what, what REITs will do is raise debt and equity to... to um, you know, to raise capital, but they will also selectively sell. You know, maybe five to ten percent of their assets a year. A lot of these REITs will do, um, and it's not just the big boys who are providing the the inventory to us now. We're, we started that way, but but we're actually starting to work with um, other groups who are you know smaller owners um, who have good portfolios, good homes that they want to sell. Because over over time, Roofstock's going to really be a marketplace that caters very much to retail investors on both sides. Um, but but it's just it's a lot easier for us to get high quality inventory right now from some of the really large players to get started. But um, there's to give you an idea how the industry is structured, which I think is kind of interesting to appreciate, there's a, uh, there's about 15 million of these rental homes and only about 250,000 are owned by the large institutions. The rest are owned by, by smaller, more mom-and-pop investors. And so we're starting with the institutions for our supply, mm -hmm. but over time we'll be building tools 
and developing the relationships with smaller owners so we could really open up a lot more supply avenues uh, down the road. Yeah, that makes sense that you'd be able to accelerate faster when you build a partnership with someone who has more homes to put on the marketplace. Yep. Now, when you get a home, you know, um, say I'm an institutional investor, I have some that I'm looking to get rid of. Uh, do I just give them to you and then it's, you know, like a like one minute delay and then it's kind of on your marketplace? No, no. It's, it, it takes a little bit of time. Uh, I would think about it, our marketplace is, is very much a curated marketplace today, meaning that inventory has to pass through our, our certification process before it goes on our site. And, you know, Andrew, since you've, you've purchased a home um, and have another one in the pipeline, you're, you're familiar with this, but, but we, we have third-party inspectors who do a complete uh, walkthrough and visual inspection and, and create a report on the, on the, site, on the home. We, we do valuation uh, reports. We pull title. Uh, we do an internal uh, a 3D map which is a virtual uh, tour of the interior of the home so you can see what it looks like without furniture. Uh, we, we, you know, we certify the tenant as well as the local property managers and all this is in our, our data room. So that, that process um, takes a couple of weeks from when we actually initiate it to getting all that work done, packaging the home up with photos and all that and getting it listed on the site. So because uh, I'm looking at a property on your site and it says Roofstock certified. This property is certified. So I'm guessing it's gone through the process. And for lack of a better term, would you say you guys are, are putting your balls on the line in terms of that this is a good property or that it is at least what you say it is? Sure. So what we're doing is we're not taking every home that's given to us um, and, and putting it on the site. So for various reasons, properties won't make it. Either they don't pass the inspection, or um, it's uh, you know it, it may not be in a, a um, the right price point, or the yields could be too low, or the, or the sale seller might be looking for a price that's that's too high relative to what we think the fair value is. So so that is that is our job. Uh, we like to say we're we're kind of one throat to choke here. If you have issues um, with the property, you call us. I mean, we we do have a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you buy a home on our site and you're not happy in the first 30 days, uh, we'll sell it for free for you. And if we have to sell it for less, we'll cover the difference. And if we don't sell it in 90 days, we'll buy it from you. So we haven't had had anyone yet um, call us on that. We're happy to, but but we're, we're happy to stand behind it. So that that's why you know our certification we feel very strongly about um, we're not putting homes on there that, that we don't feel very very good about um, and that you know, we're backing it up with our guarantee do you do any sort of due diligence on your buyers I mean if you have a 30-day money-back guarantee where you're willing to take a loss um, I guess that exposes you to some risk on the buying side too well, you know, remember if, if if the buyer actually buys the home, that means they've had, you know had the cash to to buy the home. The home, um, so it would just be, uh, you know, now if they if they trash the home, uh, it's not covered, right? Mm-hmm. So, but you, they have to buy the home and keep it in the same condition it was when it was purchased. Um, so it's not sort of a a free option to to buy it and trash it and sell it back to Roofstock. Um, they're not going to make any money doing that anyway, so there's really no reason to do it. It's it's really um, it's really designed uh, to give buyers peace of mind 
because it is we are asking people to make a leap and buy these homes sight unseen, mm-hmm. which is a uh, you know we could talk about why um, why we why people are doing it. I mean, we bought I bought thousands of homes sight unseen at my old, old company. Um, you rely very much on data. Um, and there's really only two reasons we discovered you need to, or we, we concluded you needed to get inside a home typically, and it's one to to inspect it to see if it needs any work, and if so, how much, and two to see if it's a decent floor plan or if there's something really unusual about it. So we we tackle those with our inspection reports and with our 3D mapping. So in the 3D floor plan, everything else you could see through you know Google. You know, there's there's school and crime data. You can do all sorts of demographic and research and look at whatever whatever you're looking for in in terms of an investment can be done remotely. And so, the the idea here is to to open up the whole country to investment from it really anywhere in the world. And right now, about seventy percent of the rental homes are owned by owners who live within an hour drive of those homes, which, as you think, about, is a terrible diversification strategy. And if you live, if you live in the Bay Area and you have a tech job and you own a home here, or you and, and you own a bunch of rental properties here, you're tied to the same economic cycles. And so, what we're we're actually seeing is a number of people wanting to sell homes near where they live and redeploy that capital uh, in other markets that might be countercyclical to where they live. Yeah, I'm really interested in this 3D tour that you mentioned. How do you guys generate these? Yeah, so um, we found a local tech company that we partnered with to to um, kind of uh, work on this, and so it's it's a uh, it's done with an iPhone with a little robot, and um, it, it 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 basically it takes images of the entire home on the inside and it stitches it together in an animated video that it looks very realistic it's actually animation but it's it's uh, very precise to the actual uh, dimensions of the room and even matches um, colors and and finishes pretty well um, and then generates a very cool kind of 3d model as well so you could see it because um, what we were struggling with was when we were first first getting started how do we show people what the floor plan looks like when someone's living in it mm. it's got it's got people's things everywhere um, and there's also privacy issues with showing real real video of, of you know where someone's living. So we, we we found this company. We we put together a partnership, and and it's going really well. And it's 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 one of the most heavily used portions of our site. People really feel like they get a sense of what these homes are like. Um, I don't know, Andrew. When you when you bought yours, was did you did you do a bunch of these uh, 3D tours? Yeah, I, I obsessively researched it. Um, you guys had an enormous amount of information, and um, I found that it pretty much matched everything else I checked. I was looking at, like, House Canary, Zillow. Um, I thought it was really cool because you see the individual pictures, uh, but it's really hard to piece it together as the actual place. Like, what's what yep. room, what wall. Um, yeah. You, you know, before you guys, I had purchased a property up through this guy, and um, it wasn't difficult work, but it was certainly a lot of work to close on it and you know get a tenant in. Um, with you guys, I did almost nothing, uh, which was probably the most delightful part of, of it. Uh, could you talk about your process a little bit? 
Yeah. So it's great to hear that that's we're designing this to be very, very easy for the investor. Um, again, trying to separate operations from investing. You should be thinking about how you want to allocate your capital, what markets you want to be in, what types of homes you want to be in and let us deal with the details. And so um, we're, I'm just curious, what market did you buy this home in? Uh, so my first one and my second one are Georgia. Georgia. Okay. So um, when you buy a home out of market, and you typically need to, to fly there and look at, look at properties. Um, they're vacant. So you don't really know what they'll rent for. You have to find a, local resources to, to lease it up, sometimes renovate it first. You have to find a good property manager and sometimes maybe have to make multiple trips to do that. And then you're, you're kind of out of market and it's a little bit harder to, to, uh, to manage. What, what we have done is we built the whole company around being able to, to do this remotely. And so we've, we've got certified local property managers who will take over the property management of those homes. What you're buying on Roofstock is already leased, so there's a tenant in place, so you don't have to worry about filling it. And, and the local property managers are local experts, and we typically have a couple of different choices for you of firms we vetted. All of those groups have gone through our process of certification. They've, they manage a lot of homes. They've got plenty of experience. We've negotiated good fees and, and service agreements with them, so they'll give basically institutional-level service and pricing to individual investors because we're giving them plenty of business and if, if for some reason they don't do a good job, we can hold them accountable because we have visibility into how they're doing. So it's kind of like getting the collective buying power of everybody going through Roofstock and negotiating power to hold these local property managers accountable for good, good service. You know, uh, the, the property manager was the single thing that kept me from even getting into rental properties for the longest time because it like you can only find horror stories so there's like very few people that are online like i love my property manager they're so great um and first of all my, my first property i paid 10 percent uh the one that i went through you guys i pay six percent and the guy treats me like a king he responds immediately which um I, I love and is and he actually has like an online system where I could check um, like my statements and stuff like that could yep. could you maybe go into like uh, what the property manager certification process is like and what it takes for you to recommend someone yeah so um, you, we each market we, we probably interview um, between eight and twelve property management firms it depends on how many are there to pick two or three um, you, you, and so we tend to want to have groups that have a critical mass, tend to manage you know, many hundreds or ideally a few thousand homes in that market. Um, we we'll want to make sure that they have good customer satisfaction ratings, that they have a good accounting and reporting systems, um, and they have you know, good leasing and, and repair and maintenance operations. And so we have a, a pretty thorough um, uh, process that we, we vet them with. And then um, we went up selecting you know, two or three of them to work with in each market, negotiate the, um, the kind of the, the fees. It tends to be between six and eight percent generally in our markets. Each market's a little bit different. Um, and uh, we're very transparent. We make them be transparent about all their fees. Are, do they mark up repair and maintenance? Um, what are their leasing fees and all that kind of stuff. So we're very clear 
and making sure that everyone knows knows what they're getting into. And I think that 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 helps because if you're doing this as an investor on your own, you don't really know what market is. It's sort of it can be easy to be taken advantage of. Where here you've got kind of the collective wisdom of our management team has been doing this for many years. We know um, the nuances of the business, and because we've got this this kind of collective buying power and negotiating power, we can we can again pass those those sort of savings along to uh, investors. That's actually awesome. I think it's really reassuring. What happens in the case that a property manager does need to be replaced? Is there a protocol for that or? Yeah, no, it's, it's actually, um, it, it's, it's not that hard to do. I mean, it, there's a property manager transfer process that we, that we help with if for some reason, because what, what ends up happening is right now the, the homes that are being sold on the, on the site, um, almost all of them are being transferred to a new property manager, which happens to be one of our certified ones. Mm-hmm. So they, they would go through and, and there's a process for transferring everything over. It would be the exact same thing. It would be from one of our existing, one of the exi- whatever the existing property manager is, to one of our new ones. Um, and you know, we, we get involved and in, in help make sure that goes smoothly. Um, there's certain protocols for doing that, but it's, it's pretty easy to do. Um, you know, we're hoping that there's not going to be a need for that as long as people are using our certified property managers. It, I know, I know, not everybody does. Some people might have their might want to self-manage, which is fine, or might want to use a different property manager who they might have some familiarity with, and that's fine. Um, we we uh, we we just can't hold those people accountable to the same degree we can to the ones who are certified and sort of going through our system. So. But we're happy to, if anyone tries it the other way and says, hey, you know what, I actually want to use one of the ones you've certified, that's no problem. We could we could make that happen. Cool. So I guess people do have a certain degree of, con- of control. Totally. Buying process. I mean, yeah. I mean, what we really want to do is make it easy. And, and some people want control and some people want ease. And we want to be able to offer the right level of service for people. If, if you come to us and say, listen... I just want I want you guys to recommend a property manager, you know, all these other things. That's great. We're we're happy to do that. If you say listen, if you want to select everything yourself because you you, know, you have a, a certain design on on all the, the particulars, that's that's great too. Um, it's 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 the beauty of, of a model like ours. It's kind of uh, it's not a one size fits all. It's it's very very much the right level of service and involvement depending on you know how how involved you specifically want to get. In fact, we, we recently, at one end of the spectrum, from the, an ease standpoint, we just recently have uh, offered the first fund on our site where if you didn't want to actually buy a home or a, your own portfolio, you could simply put money into a fund that's going to go out and, and, and buy homes off of Roofstock. So you would have just direct exposure to, say, 100 homes in a number of different markets that are professionally managed in a really kind of low-fee structure environment. So that's a little bit like a like a REIT, if you will. It's kind of like a mutual fund yeah. of homes. Um, you don't get that direct exposure to each home, and you don't necessarily, uh, you know, so you can't say make a bet on Atlanta or Orlando. But but what you get is exposure across a bunch of markets, and and you know, it's a minimum twenty five thousand dollar investment, and then anything above that, um, and you get that. Um, then then it's just a, a very passive way to to get exposure. How 
long do you stay with us after the transaction? So I know there's like a 30-day money-back guarantee, which is awesome. Um, but yeah. if I if it's like a year down the line, I'm just like not having a good time, and I, I need uh, maybe I need a new property manager, or I don't know. I, I just need someone with experience to like advise me. Like, do sure. you guys stay involved, or you're like, sorry, it's it's over? We do. Yeah, we we do. In fact. Um, what we're building right now, and we haven't gone live with it yet, but um, we're, we're, the the um, the plan very soon is to to offer an asset management uh, tool, if you will, where your your property statements will show up on Roofstock, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to come every month and and see them there. Uh, we'll have all sorts of it. We'll we'll. We'll be there for you to make sure and sort of monitor things with your property manager and sort of make sure repairs and maintenance are in line with what they should be. That you know, if there's a renewal, um, that you know it's being rented at the right rates, things like that. And so, so we'll stay we'll we'll, we'll stay involved on an ongoing basis and do that for you. And at least for now, um, we're not charging for that service. We're, we're happy to do it for free because what we're we're what we want to do is is we want people to be comfortable and happy and have good outcomes on their investments and and over time we'll build we'll make that more robust we'll add more bell, bells and whistles but um, absolutely I mean we are we are here 24/7 for people who are investing through our site uh, well beyond the the transaction itself this is the idea is to make this an ongoing relationship whether you buy one home or a hundred so through us Gary to- if I understand correctly I can pick a home. I I will pony up the cash, get financing. You guys, are you carried me through the process of my first one, um, and then I can just sit back and I can let you guys deal with it. That's right. This episode of Listen Money Matters is brought to you by the good folks over at Harry's. Harry's makes high-quality razors, blades, and entire shaving kits, and they offer them at a fraction of the price of the leading razor brands that you're going to find at your local store. Now, if you've had a look at our podcast artwork lately, you may be thinking to yourself, why is Tom doing the ad about razors? After all, Andrew shaves his mug pretty much on the daily, whereas I'd fit in at a lumberjacking camp and I get emails asking for beard growing tips on a regular basis. But here's the thing. Growing an awe-inspiring beard is just step one, and for that, I'd recommend a daily regimen of scotch, spinach, wearing flannel, and having the necessary genetics. But once you've got that beard, keeping it well-maintained becomes your top priority, unless you want people to start asking you when your ZZ Top cover band is going to be playing this weekend. And for that, you need the right tools. Now, I keep most of my beard at a nice length using a standard beard trimmer. But I also use an actual razor to keep a clean line under my chin, which is why I was pretty excited when Andrew sent me one of Harry's starter kits. Compared to the old razor I'd been using, the razor and foaming shave gel I got from Harry's ended up giving me a much closer shave that felt really, really nice once I was done. It almost made shaving something to be looked forward to, like a meditative experience instead of something that I just got done as quickly as possible in the morning. So here's why you might want to give Harry's a try as well. They make their own razors at their own factory in the heart of Germany, and they sell them directly to you via their own website. 
And by controlling every part of the manufacturing and sales process, they can keep quality very, very high while also maintaining a very affordable price point. For example, you can get the Truman set, which is what Andrew sent to me, for just $15. And that gets you the actual razor handle, which you can choose the color of, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German-engineered razors. And as a listener of our show, you can get $5 off of your first purchase by going to harrys.com and entering the code LISTEN at checkout. That's H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com for the URL. Thanks so much to Harry's for supporting our show, which we are now going to get back to. I'm really curious to know what are some of the things that people should know going into this? Because we've done real estate episodes in the past and it's, you know, we always emphasize that you need to do your due diligence and know how to manage a lot of different things. Even if you have a property manager, you guys do a lot of that, but you're going to be, you know, as an investor, you're going to be holding that asset for a long period of time and some things may come up. So yeah, I'm guessing people shouldn't just come in with, you know, a bunch of cash and no knowledge and make a purchase? What should they know for long-term success? Yeah, I think one of the things is just to think about um, your investment horizon. If you're just looking to invest for a few months or a, or a year, it's probably not ideal because um, you know, these are really designed to be um, owned for you know, the, the medium to long-term for the cash flow and the appreciation. So investment horizons, one, if you just want to put money to work for six months, you should probably buy a REIT. Single-family rental homes are are quite attractive because they are the the most liquid of all real estate asset classes. They could be sold relatively quickly, mm-hmm. um, either to uh, another investor or or to an owner occupant. Um, I, I like to think of these rental homes as um, sort of like an apartment building that's mapped for condo. So if it becomes worth more to an owner occupant in the future, you could let the lease run out. And, and sell it to someone to live in it, or if it's worth more to you for the cash flow or another investor for the cash flow and the appreciation, it can be sold that way. Um, so I think it's, a, it's unique in that regard um, for a real estate asset class. Um, and then I, I think people should always keep in mind too, there will be periods of vacancy. Um, so you, you want to be prepared to have a little bit of downtime if there's a month or so where the rent isn't coming in, but you still need to, to pay your mortgage or you need to put a little bit of money in when a, a tenant leaves to fix it up to release it. So you want to have a little bit of buffer um, just to make sure you can you can do that. Um, what, what I often do or recommend for people is, is to is to put a you know kind of a small reserve aside. Um, you know, maybe it's one percent of the home or something like that. It doesn't necessarily need to be in a separate account or whatever, but sort of earmark some money so in case um, you do need it, it's it's available. Because um, that is, that is the you, know, you are getting the upside of owning real estate, but you know when you own real estate, you just have to always be prepared um, for those times when there might be a little bit of vacancy. Yeah, and how do people get notified about all these things that happen? You know, if they buy the thing through the marketplace and the property manager is already. Uh, you manage that property. Is that the person who's going to email you and say, "Hey, we don't have a tenant this month," or "Hey, we need to put some money"? No, that's, that, that, that's exactly right. That's that's a big part of what the property manager does is to stay on top of that. So they do the the rent collection. Um, they will typically do the leasing and the repair and maintenance and all that. And so they will let they'll be the ones to let you know. Um, 
if, if there's an issue. Um, again, that's something that as, as we release our asset management platform, we'll be notified of as well. And we're, we're happy to stay on top of uh, for, for our clients. Um, you know, some people want to be very close and talk to the property managers directly. Others will say, "Hey, Roofstock, I want you to deal with that, and we'll, we're happy to keep you in the loop and and just and just manage that for you." So, is there basically going to be a dashboard at some point where the investor can log in and see this event happened? Exactly, happened? exactly. Rent's been collected, or this is this is what's coming up. I mean, imagine it's think about sort of your e-trade dashboard for your real estate. Yeah. Here's my here's my properties. Here's what I bought them for. Here's what they're worth today. Um, here's how much cash flow I've gotten. Here's you know perhaps here's the forecast in these markets. You know for the next three to five years. Um, here's when my leases are rolling. Here's what you know. You can imagine over time better and better data just to kind of help you understand what you've got and think about how you might want to optimize uh, your portfolio. Gary, we started talking about real estate maybe like five months ago, and I've kind of been obsessively researching it, and it took me quite a long time to get into it. And a, and a big part of it for me was the the returns are are they dizzying? It's it's like nothing I've ever seen. Um, and I I really truly was like this this can't be a real thing. I learned about the power of leverage, um, but I was wondering if you could maybe talk about some of the risks. I mean, am I crazy? Like, what am I missing? Yeah, well, you know, it's with anything. You know, I studied economics. You know, you don't get return without risk, right? So, you, and so that's true with any investment. It's certainly true with real estate. Um, so, the risks are um, largely controllable. Not entirely, but I'll tell you why. So there's the risk of peril, for example. You know, what if you're, you know, if there's a if there's a peril, um, your home burns down. Um, you want to have insurance, right? And we make sure you've got insurance at closing, as as will your your lender. So a lot of the physical risks are are insurable. Um, there's the risk of, of a market downturn. So uh, we had during the downturn, home prices dropped. Uh, meaningfully, right in 2007, 2008. So you had prices drop 30, 40 percent in some of these markets. Now, what was interesting is rents stayed pretty stable, and in some markets went up. So if you owned a rental property, even if on paper the value goes down, what we found was because it was a real estate downturn, it was almost a counterintuitive thing. But there were a lot more renters. There, were, you know, millions more rental households, and that created great rental demand. And stable and growing rents, and so that was almost a little hedge against a against a downturn. So, um, so but you do obviously real estate prices fluctuate, so you don't want to be overly leveraged. Um, that's where you could risk kind of losing your property if prices drop too far. Now, one of the things in this asset class, you can leverage up to say eighty percent. It's not like when you're buying a an owner occupied home, you could borrow, you know. 95 or 97 percent, or back in the in the heyday, people were borrowing more than 100 percent of the value. That's not happening here. So there's a nice cushion. There's a nice equity cushion at purchase. Rates are low today, so you could lock in 30 percent or 30 year money fixed money for in the four percent range, um, and have a nice accretive financing. So that's I think a way to kind of. If you want to own these things for the long term, you could insulate yourself very much from 
the market fluctuation risk in pricing by locking in fixed rate financing today, planning on owning these things for a while, and being able to ride out any sort of any sort of downturn. Um, and then there's the risk of vacancy with with any any investment in real estate. Um, the good news about single family rentals is the average tenant stays three to four years. So. Um, the, the the turnover tends to be relatively low, less than half of what you see in apartments. Um, the occupancies of all of the larger platforms are in the you know mid to high ninety percent on an annualized basis. So there's big demand for for re- rental housing. There's a lot of cyclical um, trends favoring rentals today. Where one, it's very difficult to get financing for people. Um, a lot of people, millennials in particular like the flexibility. So there's a lot of rental demand. So the the risk of vacancy is is offset, I think, to a large degree by the the strong and growing demand uh, for rentals. So I would say those are kind of the the, the biggest sort of risks that that come to mind and and how to sort of think about them. It seems like everything you guys have tried to think about every part of the process and make it easier. Uh, you mentioned you know you just have to have the cash and bring it in. Is that something you guys are thinking about moving into as well, um, or is, or are you going to leave that to the investor when it comes to getting a loan for the property? Yeah, so we're definitely helping people uh, get financing. Uh, we've got some financing partnerships where um, we will connect investors depending on whether they're an individual or an LLC or a foreign investor with with lenders who uh, specialize in those types of loans, and. Um, because we have good relationships, we could sort of hold them accountable for good service and timing and treating our customers well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I, Andrew, I think did we did we help you get your your financing on your first one? Did we connect you with a lender? Um, you guys didn't, and I think only because I was researching it and I kind of just picked someone before. And okay. you're, you're actually making me wonder if I should email Rebecca and see if she can get me a better deal. Uh, but it, it was very interesting. So I, um, on my first property, I went through you guys and uh, the mortgage company, they're like, hey, like we could help you find insurance. So they go, they, they find some insurance, they come back and Rebecca actually did it in tandem. And uh, I, I got a better deal in terms of what I was covered for and a lower price. Uh, and, and the best part was she pretty much concierged the entire deal. Like I, I put money on the table. I mean, I worked with the financing company, you know, giving my finances, and she pretty much handled the rest. Great, I love to hear it. That, that's that's her job, so it's uh, it's uh, wonderful to hear, uh, because it is a complicated process. It's it's not something you do every day, but it's something that that we do do every day, and so the the idea very much is to give you the benefit of that experience and and hopefully make it make it easy and, and get you, you know, point you in the right direction. It's otherwise pretty tough to navigate, I think, uh, transactions like this without a good river guide, which is what we, what we try to be. So since you guys are helping people out at every different stage and staying with them, what's your profit model like? So we, we make our money uh, primarily from listing fees from our sellers. Now it's a lot less than than traditional brokers charge, but it's plenty for us to to make money. Um, so we charge less than half of what a traditional broker would charge them. But because uh, it's our own marketplace and we don't, um, our costs are a lot lower. We're, we're able to charge less, and then 
and then they they tend to be comfortable listing their home for less on our site because the the cost of selling through us is less. Um, so so that's that's when we we do charge our buyers a half a percent uh, marketplace fee. We do have some promotions sometimes where the first transaction will be less, mm-hmm. um, but that really covers our certification cost. Um, and so it's 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 primarily coming from our um, our seller fees. Is that half a percent of the monthly the, revenue? No, it's a it's a just a one time half a percent oh. of the purchase price. Gotcha. Cool. So Andrew, basically that transaction was done, and now all the revenue goes to you from those two properties, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, not to brag or anything, but my cash on cash is over twenty five percent. So I'm I'm a little delirious. Love to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is this is like doing more to convince me to get into this than anything else has. Because the other episodes we've done, you know, it's like you you got to fly out to the market and you got to go inspect properties yourself. And I mean, I'm willing to do that, but it's it's hard when you also are spending you know 80 hours a week running your own business and doing all these other things. So I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. Um, you know, it's it's you know, kind of the idea behind the name Roofstock was you should be able to buy buy homes just like you're buying stocks. And you know, it's that kind of when you when you buy a company stock, you you don't physically fly to the headquarters and you know and check it out. You should you should be able to do the same thing with property, whether you're you know in in New York City or Beijing or or Florida. Buying a home in Atlanta should be just as easy. So. How did you guys choose your markets? Are you going to expand to new ones? Yeah, so we, we started in several markets in Florida uh, because there's a lot of there's just a lot of demand and supply from investors in Florida. It's a low tax state. There's a lot of in migration, job growth. Um, there's some physical geographical barriers that are that create uh, opportunities. So so Florida is just a great market to get started, and then. We had some experience here in the Bay Area, we, um, and so we launched in Northern and Southern California. By the way, yesterday we we sold out of all of our California inventory. So um, we had thirty we had thirty two homes here, and they're they're now all pending. So uh, we so we don't currently have anything for sale in California, although we're looking to to add some more. Um, we're in Atlanta, which is a very big and robust market, very attractive, affordable, good yields, good appreciation prospects. And then we're launching soon in Las Vegas, and um, and we're looking at several other markets. I think you could expect us to go into a new market here between now and the end of the year in every, approximately every four to six weeks. Wow. So rumor has it you might move into Indianapolis? I've heard that rumor as well. Yes, <laughs> yes it's a Indi- I'm from Indiana, so um, I have a, an a affection for for uh, Indianapolis and Indiana in general. Um, it's a it's a really good market. We're looking at it. Um, yields are good, uh, very stable. It, it's it's one of those markets that's not likely to have really high appreciation, but uh, it's it's one it's one that has nice yields, affordable price point. You're kind of steady, um, and uh, so what we want to be able to do is offer investors choices, right? And so you, you Andrew, bought a you know very high yielding home. Uh, there are some investors who who want to who aren't as concerned about the current yield and just want to 
you know, you know, a, a home that's, you know, maybe a, a yield might be quite a bit lower, but it's in a really higher end neighborhood with good schools and it's going to be, um, a pre, you know, buying it more for appreciation or low risk. So think about it as more like a, I think in terms of bonds, you could buy a triple A bond or you could buy a high yield bond. High yield bonds going to have a bit more volatility and risk, but you could get considerably higher returns. Um, and a triple A AAA bond is going to be, you know, much lower risk and lower return. And there's in, everything is sort of in between. And so I think as as long as investors uh, are looking for all those types of products, we'll continue to offer those those different kinds of products as well. And you know, it may be that you know your next one, Andrew, may may end up being uh, more of a middle of the road uh, current yield, but in a market that you feel really good about owning. Or five years from now, it's going to be significantly you know, more valuable. That's that's I think the beauty of this asset class is you could you could put together your own strategy. You can modify it over time. You could sell homes once they've appreciated really efficiently through roofstock and redeploy the capital into other markets that you know might be earlier in the recovery. Are you guys profitable? No, no, we're not. We're not planning on being profitable for some time. We're we're a growth company. We're we're venture backed, um, so we're that that's not that we've got plenty of capital, um, and our, our now we're profitable on a transaction you know, on a per transaction basis. We make money, but um, we've built. It, we're really building a company here for the long term, and so um, that's that's not a an objective right now. So I have one last question. You talked about you know building your own strategy, uh, kind of on a holistic view of it for the individual investor. And Andrew, you can take this too. I'd be curious to know what both you guys think. What is the, what's the right percentage of your investment portfolio to have in real estate, to have in single family homes like this? And when should somebody start? Because um, I probably wouldn't tell like an 18 year old kid coming out of college, you know, don't invest anything in different ways, like go straight into real estate, or maybe you guys would. I don't know. I think it's a very individual decision. You know, Andrew, maybe talk about how you, how you think about it. Um, you know, so I, I guess it it really really depends on on everyone's personal situation. I, I I'm a big fan of diversification. I certainly wouldn't want to have all my money in the stock market or all of it in real estate. Um, you know, I think there's there's rules of thumb that different financial advisors have and different financial planners, and so I think people should should think about it, do their own research, and and see uh, what kind of exposure they want. Um, but I, again, I, I I think it's it's very much of a, a you want to have a diversified strategy that's that's got some assets that are not uh, correlated. Um. From from my perspective, uh, so I definitely agree, and I, I have a lot in uh, tax advantage accounts, like. IRA, 401k, I have taxable accounts. And uh, what really pulled me in was uh, the cash flow. Um, I uh, have started to lean really heavily towards just business with some money matters. And I kind of view my real estate setup as a business. Um, and I guess just at, at this stage of my life, I feel like I want to prioritize cash flow as opposed to um, just assets only. Mm. So you want to have a greater percentage of your investments in cash flow eventually? Well, okay. So my, my actual goal right now is, I don't know if this is a, a thing, 
but uh, I've kind of been calling it to Laura and my friends at work. I'm trying to uh, reach property neutral. So we pay for our mortgage in Hoboken. And my goal is to have the cash flow from my rental properties cover the cost of my mortgage so that I, I basically I remove my biggest expense and, and live for free. That's like my, my short-term goal. Okay. Um, and you have loans to pay for the properties you've invested in, right? Yeah, I've, I've been financing everything um, because one, I get an enormously higher return. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm comfortable with the risk. And two, uh, I get to depreciate the full value of the asset, even though I only paid for 20% of the asset. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not paying any taxes on it. Okay. And so the cash flow essentially covers the mortgages or the mm-hmm. loan took out for those properties and then your own mortgage. That's the goal. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have a question for you, uh, Gary. Last question. Um, Do you own any rental properties? I do. Um, uh, In fact, I I bought um, one a few months ago through Roofstock, and it's maybe a a good example uh, to as a maybe um, uh, to compare to to your property. So, so I bought a property in Cape Coral, Florida. For one hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars, and the rent was eleven fifty, and oh, so wow. the so the gross yield on that one was you know call it nine percent, and the gross yield is just the the annualized rent over the the purchase price, mm-hmm. um, and the net yield in the kind of low you know kind of low fives five to five point three percent after all the expenses on an unlevered basis. So which I was comfortable with because. It's a nice house in a nice area, and I felt like there was, and based on our rent comparables that were on our site, it looked like it was underpriced by a couple of hundred bucks. And so, and I knew the lease was coming up, and there'd be a chance to release it at a higher rate. So I bought it, and the the tenant moved out. Um, We uh, found a new tenant immediately. They moved in at fourteen. It was fourteen hundred bucks. So it was able to raise the. Yeah, raise the rent um, even higher than we thought from our rent comps by about fifty bucks. So it's actually thirteen ninety nine. So now my my gross yield's more like an eleven, and and almost all of that additional rent flows through to profit. So so now my my net yield's probably in the you know the mid to high sixes, maybe approaching seven percent on that property. And and that that was and I. I and that was one of the things that I thought was was interesting because as I was looking around, I was looking for a property that I might be able to buy based on sort of the current income, but that might be a repositioning opportunity because it might be under under rented. And so that's the kind of stuff you could do on our site. I love it. Um, I've had a great experience with with that. We use one of our local property managers. I, I just kind of went through it as a Roofstock customer. Uh, it was early. Um, so we, you know, we're much better now from a customer service standpoint and a system standpoint than we were in the early days. But I actually closed my home in 14 days from when I wow. hit invest on our site, and I bought it with financing, um, and closed it 14 days later. So it it, it can be done uh, pretty quickly. Did your property management company find the tenant for you, and how long did, did it take? They did one weekend. So they had an open house and uh, we had about 15 people show up at the open house. Um, We had, I think, four or five people fill out an application at the open house. And um, they just sent me an email and say, you know, we've got your your house lease. We're able to lease it at thirteen ninety nine. 
to you know tenant with great credit and you know we think they could be a long term renter um, and I said great so it was it was really it was really painless. I actually have one last question uh, for real this time. This is um, your, your third last question. This is my Bye-bye. third last question. Uh, so you bought it. The cash flow is awesome. Um, how concerned are you about uh, appreciation or the value of the property itself, or if it's cash flowing positively, not so much? Yeah, I'm looking f- for me. I'm less um, current cash flow driven. I li- I like the fact that it's cash flowing nicely, and I, I I'm getting a good yield because. I'm not getting yield pretty much anywhere else in a lot of my investments, so I, I like that. Um, and I also felt like it was a good value relative to, um, uh, you know, fair market value. And and I and it's in an area that's forecasted to appreciate uh, pretty well over the next five years. And again, forecasts are what they are. It's it's, it's but but directionally, I think it's right. Um, you know, so I I do think that that home. Uh, is is probably going to be worth two hundred thousand dollars in a you know in a couple of years. I think it's already appreciated from meaningfully from when I from my purchase price. Uh, I do plan on holding it for the long term, um, so I don't have a, any immediate need for it. But it's nice to know that you've got a, now a fair amount of equity in that home. Um, could also re you know could also refinance it in a, in a couple of years based on a new value if it does continue to appreciate take some money out and probably be able to pull out enough money to buy another home. Um, so that's kind of how I'm thinking about it there. Awesome. Gary, thank yeah. you for coming the show. This has been a great conversation. And Thanks. Andrew, you have a link for Roofstock, right? For other Yeah, so if you're interested in Roofstock, um, you can go to Roofstock by listenmoneymatters.com slash Roofstock, or you can just go to Roofstock, and they have a little drop-down. You know, give us some love. Say you came from LMM. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Also, on the real estate note here, we have our own real estate tool that launched really recently, which you can find uh, over at realestate.listenmoneymatters.com. And that will let you evaluate real estate properties and determine if they'll cash flow. So it's a really cool research tool. And Andrew, yeah. good job on this thing. Thanks, man. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> showed it to me before, before we got into this call, and I was just like, geez, it, it doesn't look... I've always thought of Listen Money Matters as kind of like a blog podcast. This doesn't look like that. This is like <laughs> legit. There's Thanks, man. Math thing. You know, so. I, I've been trying to uh, evaluate properties. I want to buy on Roofstock and then before Roofstock and my, my buddies are. And then you have to like kind of track things. And it's all happening in these mangled spreadsheets. And I was like, hey, like why don't we just like automate this and use data? You know, because that's my day job. Boom. <laughs> cool. Well, once again, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Later, Gary. Later, Andrew. Later, Thanks, guys. All right. Please tell your friends about this show.